This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court's term is over, but on the way out, Justice Clarence Thomas made a point of suggesting that the high court revisit the doctrine of qualified immunity. Cato's Jay Schweiker says it's a welcome statement, but so far Thomas is the only member of the court to repeatedly urge that the doctrine be revisited. We spoke yesterday. This case is Hogard versus Rhodes. Uh, and the issue in this case was the application of a public university's so-called free speech policies to students that wanted to start a Turning Point USA chapter at their school. Uh, and these students uh, set up a table uh, on campus at a little space off of a walkway leading up to the student union so that people could come speak with them about the group if they, wa- if they were interested. Uh, but a university police officer arrived and told them they had to take down their table Uh, And ultimately, they were told that uh, they needed to get uh, permission from the school to set up uh, a table anywhere on campus, uh, and that if they wanted to speak in one of the designated free speech areas, they had to uh, register those 72 72 hours in advance. And so they brought uh, a Section 1983 claim against the university officials, claiming, obviously, that this was a violation of their First Amendment rights. Because in a lot of ways, uh, what the school's policy amounted to was essentially a prior restraint, which is sort of the quintessential First Amendment violation, having to ask the government permission before you are allowed to speak. And the Eighth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals held that, indeed, this did violate the students' First Amendment rights. But they nevertheless granted the university officials qualified immunity because they held that it was not clearly established in their circuit whether a school imposing this sort of free speech policy uh, was definitely unconstitutional. And uh, just last week, the Supreme Court declined to hear that case. So that decision will stand. All right. So that's all prologue to the fact that Justice Thomas wrote separately after the Supreme Court chose not to hear this case that the doctrine of qualified immunity once again has posed problems for people whose rights have, as far as you and I are concerned, clearly been violated uh, by the government. That's right. Justice Thomas has been a longtime critic of the doctrine of qualified immunity. Uh, this began with his uh, concurrence in a 2017 decision called Ziegler versus Abbasi. Uh, he took up this issue again at greater length last year in his dissent from uh, the denial of cert in a case called Baxter versus Bracey, where he explained at length uh, just how much the doctrine of qualified immunity as it exists today seems so fundamentally at odds with both the text and history of Section 1983. Uh, And he once again reiterated that uh, historical criticism uh, in this case, um, but also sort of added uh, a new piece, which was raising the question of why the same standards of qualified immunity should apply to university officials who have the time to make a deliberate constitutional decision with, you know, the advice of lawyers and everything. Uh, Why that should be the same standard is applied to police officers who generally have to make quicker decisions uh, about people's constitutional rights. And he suggested that uh, that distinction is something the court should also consider in an appropriate case. So he's arguing that in this particular case, Uh, university officials, uh, it's a much clearer cut issue where qualified immunity should not apply uh, because of the relative time in which 
they have to make a decision and and of course the, the the practical life and death consequences of that decision he didn't reach a definite conclusion on that point um and he actually cited a couple of uh, articles suggesting that things could go either way uh that perhaps uh there should be less uh, scrutiny or rather that there should be a less strict qualified immunity standard that applied to university officials but also cited another article suggesting actually that constitutional rights are generally not applicable against public university officials so it it was a it was basically just a more tentative this doesn't seem at all obvious and so it's a question that we should confront all right. So what does that mean for qualified immunity jurisprudence going forward? Uh, is is Justice Thomas alone here? Unfortunately, I think it means very little for qualified immunity jurisprudence going forward because Justice Thomas remains alone. He was the uh, sole dissenter from the denial of cert in Baxter a year ago, and he was, again, the sole dissenter from the denial of cert in uh, Hogard just last week, um, which I think it, I mean I appreciate that he is continuing to raise this issue and and clearly express that it's something the Supreme Court can and ought to reconsider but the fact that no one else has joined him I think pretty clearly suggests that there's just not a realistic chance of the entire court taking up this fundamental question of whether and how to reconsider qualified immunity in the near future. And it is fundamental because what we're talking about is people trying to seek redress of uh, a government violating their rights. It's this is not this is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I and I don't think I, anyone needs to be explained why uh, concerns about public officials, especially law enforcement officials, Violating people's rights without redress is of special importance in the current uh, national climate. Um, But I think the fact that the Supreme Court uh, has, even in the midst of this crisis of accountability uh, in law enforcement, declined to take really any meaningful action on reconsidering qualified immunity, uh, I think is prolonging and abetting that crisis. What do you make of this distinction that he draws uh, between? public officials who are uh, employees of a public university making rules about preventing students from speaking without their permission and police officers making uh, what Justice Thomas describes sort of split second life or death decisions. I, I understand why he's drawing that distinction. And it, it may be the case that there are some historical arguments about whether about different standards that should apply to one of those or the other. But on the whole, I think it's actually somewhat misleading to emphasize the importance of that distinction, because I think what it suggests erroneously is that when police officers are making difficult life or death split second decisions, that it is qualified immunity that is protecting them. And that is simply not true. Uh, Police officers are given enormous deference in the way they make difficult on the spot life or death decisions. And the mere fact that they may sometimes make the wrong call with the benefit of hindsight uh, is not something that they can be sued for. But that protection comes from the Fourth Amendment itself, not from qualified immunity. In other words, most of the time where you see police officers acting in good faith to make genuinely uh, difficult split second decisions, even if they make the wrong call, their actions simply haven't violated anyone's constitutional rights in the first place. And when you look at the cases, the law enforcement cases where qualified immunity makes the difference, it is 
nearly always police officers making objectively unreasonable or bad faith decisions in the field uh, rather than genuinely difficult good faith decisions where they just so happen to make the wrong call. So I think that suggesting that qualified immunity is somehow less important, or rather, I'm sorry, that is somehow more important and that the case for reconsidering it is uh, less serious in the split-second policing context, I think is very misleading because uh, it it suggests something that is not true, which is that qualified immunity is necessary to protect that sort of discretion. And that protection just doesn't come from qualified immunity. Jay Schweikert is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>